feel awake. You're not going to believe me, and I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's going to follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it on to someone else. Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Be sure to check out The Contrarians on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, and don't forget about our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis and at Ovnio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Time for the podcast. Welcome back to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, as always, joined by my co-host, comrade and cohort, uh, Julio. How are you doing this evening? You can call me Julio. It's okay. <laughs> you, you won't be the first. I'm sure you won't be the last. Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing okay, all things considered. Um, I mean, there was this attempt at a movie that uh, tried to scare me into not having sex anymore. There but was a, There was a thing that happened. But, uh, you know... Better filmmakers have tried, and they failed. failed. So this movie didn't stand a chance. Where are we at? Is this thirty-four? God, didn't we just do this and failed? Uh, also, <laughs> just yeah. like this filmmaker, uh, Punisher was thirty-one. Okay, because Paul Blart was the not Paul Blart. <laughs> Here comes the boom. Was a bonus face? episode. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is thirty-two. Okay, thirty-two. So for episode thirty-two, we are joined once again by a former. Uh, guest of the podcast and always a friend of the podcast, Eddie. Eddie, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing doing pretty well. I'm uh, glad we got to watch this movie together. And you know, all I can say is if if the post sex life is anything like what the movie shows, then I don't want to have it. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here today to follow. It follows uh, the. 2015, 2014, depending on your release schedule, horror film. Um, Whether or not you saw, you go to the the fall film festivals, or if you had to wait. Yeah, are you a like, fancy critic, or like are you a goon. Just, just like us? Directed by David Robert Mitchell, um, it follows. Stands at a towering ninety seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, didn't come away with the same sentiment. I think I was with the three percent there. It's it's pretty amazing, uh, and really. I guess one of the reasons why we're doing... I think this might be the most recent movie we've done. I think so. At, at 2014, 2015, that's, that's pretty... But at the same time, it's such an affront to common sense for this to be at 97% Run Tomatoes, which makes people think that this is an awesome horror movie when much better horror movies have lower scores. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it, this was something that needed to be addressed. No matter... I've yet to meet a single person that doesn't like it follows, which mm-hmm. makes me hate it even more. <laughs> uh, so it's the inverse of Avatar. I've never met a single person that liked Avatar. Really, mm-hmm. I, I have. 
Oh, okay. If it's you, then we can just move <laughs> along. <laughs> we'll save it for the for the James Cameron episode. So before we get into it, do you have some quotes for us, Julio? Allow me to follow your uh, intro by giving you a few quotes from. Uh, it was there's a plethora of uh, positive quotes because you know. 97% means that there's fresh tomatoes everywhere. Uh, Michael Smith from Tulsa World says, it follows is a classy, scary horror show. And then he, he buttons it with, pass it on. Shame on you, Michael Smith. Boo. Linda Cook from Quad City Times says, a kind of art house horror movie, an, an allegory about AIDS, and believe it or not, a love story. It follows is one of a kind. Bob Grimm from Reno, Reno News and Review says, The next time some old lady starts following you with an emotionless stare on her face, you're going to lose your mind. Steve Persall from... How is that different from <laughs> right? real life? <laughs> Usually he's pretty cool with that. Pass it on. Uh, Steve Persall from Tampa Bay Times says, It follows as an impressively sustained sense of dread, less explicit gore than measured tension. Mitchell slightly inverts the conventions of dead meat teenage teenager flicks, although not with wink wink comedy like the Scream series. I picked that quote because uh, you guys pointed out that this is put out by Dimension, which put out the Scream franchise, and I will bring that up later. Um, and finally, Rob Thomas, not not okay, not from a smooth fame and not from Veronica Mars fame, <laughs> unless either of them is moonlighting as a critic online. Uh, from Madison Movie says, "Remember, kids, when you have sex, you're having sex with every person they've ever had sex with, and also with the demons talking all of you." The proverbial farmer's market there of fresh tomatoes everywhere. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we get right into it. It follows begins with a young girl in clear distress. She's running around in high heels throughout the street out of her home. Uh, her father tries to stop her, and she runs right past, steals the car, takes off. Um, it's all very kind of confusing to the audience. They don't really do a good job of setting the tone right away. Um, oh, it sets the tone of, like, this movie's not going to be logical or clear from the very beginning. So, yeah, she just drives out to the ocean. Or Hold least... on, sorry. I had to jump in because I also think part of the problem is that we, the viewers, have not had the quote-unquote sex that she has had because as she's running around, she's clearly looking for something, but us being you know, virgin-esque in our, uh, at this point in the movie, we, we clearly have no idea what's going on. Just, just like most people don't know what's going on before their life changes. <laughs> so she drives out to, it's a, a shore of some sort. I'm not sure if it's an ocean, lake, river, what have you, but she, uh, <laughs> it's a fjord of some sort. She calls back home, tells her parents she loves her. And then she's dead as fuck. Like two seconds later, which Immediately made me resent the movie because it's it's not just that she dies in in kind of her like a normal way, like right? Around. It's really gory, and there's like a the, the quote that I had that was like, "Oh, it's not that gory." No, that's when it gets gory, it gets really gory, and that annoys must me. Must have shown up late. Yeah, and yeah, they missed the opening. It's one of those things too. It's you know, you're just trying to set the tone of gore right off the bat. It's like, come on, tease me a little bit here before we get. Yeah, down no, to we, we want tags. we want. We want the apps, not the not the main course. <laughs> but also, it, it's before you get to that, and throughout the movie, it has this this pretension, like it's it's better than a, uh, your average horror movie that would usually use gory stuff like that. This one is it has its low tracking shots, and it's just 
it's all like the performances are very subdued. It, it, it kind and of, then it's just, oh, but wait, here's some shock horror just so that, you know, because we need, you we know, need you mentioned case. Scream in the quotes, and this is kind of like the, the artier, you know, more, you know, highbrow, if you want to call it, Scream approach. And instead of killing off your, your big famous actress, you're just, you know, you're trying to in, <laughs> subvert, <killing> subvert that <laughs> just by killing, just killing a random girl. This entire movie is, you know, it's a who's that of Hollywood. <laughs> so uh, this girl that starts us off is dead, but we go to uh, Jay, our main character of the film, played by uh, Micah Monroe. Jay's a 19-year-old girl. Starts off just kind of aimlessly floating in an above-ground really white trash pool. Uh, it's a really calm and stoic beginning. She has her friends, uh, Kelly, uh, Paul, who uh, we'll come back to Paul. Um but it looks it's kind of like they're like in a community home or something. But it seems just like uh, yeah. I mean, well, Kelly's her sister, right? And then I didn't catch the name of the other girl. Um, like glasses. That's I, all I, I retained. Juno with glasses. That's what I yeah. I call and that's her. that's where the movie you know really lost me because this girl we see it multiple times. Everybody's hanging out, and for some reason she's got this weird clamshell birth control thing that she's using like a Kindle, and it, it it's just so horribly inefficient that I can't tell if it's supposed to be a metaphor for the movie itself or or what. But I just it was so distracting. It took me out of the movie. It it also adds to the confusion overall because. There are so many things that are just almost anachronistic in this movie. Uh, nobody has cell phones, but this girl has this really high-tech apparatus to yeah. read her book. Uh, yeah, it's like, just get a book, man. Right. It, 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 but also, <laughs> they have, uh, you know, whenever they... Everything looks so old-timey that you could really say that this movie took place like two decades ago or even further. But, you know, this director, it's the whole allegory, the, the clamshell opening up um, the vagina. Yeah. Right. So, but it's, so it's glasses. Has she had sex? Is she like the puppet master of this I thing? I think that's just supposed to be a, an overall image of that's where all the power comes from. Oh, because it could that's have been cool if it's begins. if it's like a a circle of life kind of thing or or the the pearl of knowledge. But okay. it's even worse because what is she reading? She's reading the idiot, which is like so pretentious. It's like that whole scene with the friends where they're watching a black and white movie. Mm-hmm. What the hell? What teenager watches a black and white movie while reading The Idiot in the living room? It was a very Wes Anderson-esque scene. Except that they don't pull it off. I mean, again, it's subverting Scream, because whereas they're talking about 80s slasher movies, you know, here they're they're talking black and white movies and The Idiot. I mean, it doesn't get much more highbrow or, you know, contrasts with what Scream was doing any better. So Jay has a date. Uh, That's what we cut to next. She's on a date with... Uh, Hugh, a uh, gentleman played by Jake Weary. Uh, they're at the movies. Uh, she initiates this guessing game of basically the plot being, um, you know, uh, you choose someone that you wish you were, and then I'll try to guess it and see if I can get it right. So they play. It's a fun back and forth. And then uh, Hugh ends up seeing someone, and she has no idea what he's talking about. He says, hey, the girl in the yellow dress over there, and she's like, are you fucking with me? There's no one over there. And then he gets freaked out and leaves. Uh, yeah, and yet that doesn't freak her out. No. She's completely cool after that. He acts like a complete lunatic, makes him leave. the. By the way, there's this old-timey movie theater that uh, is obviously not a multiplex. And they, uh, you know that it's an old-timey movie theater because he gets his popcorn in a cup. 
not in a bag or a tub. He has a cup, and that's like like the Paramount downtown, yeah. which is meant to be an old timey movie yeah, theater. I was gonna say, if I had never been to the Paramount downtown, I would have had no clue where they were. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, what is going on? What? And I I think. Well, no, you never see what movie they're watching, right? Because I'm sure it's probably that... something black and white. Exactly, yeah. I was gonna say it's probably gonna be like some uh, Bergman movie or Godard or something like really artsy and old timey. So uh, it's just a slow plotting process from here. It's a lot of um, white noise almost. You don't really understand what's going on, um, but they do end up going out on the second date, uh, or was it just a continuation? I couldn't tell. It's a second. It's date. a second date because for she, we see Jay talk to her friend and, and tell her how it went. That's right. That's yeah, right. well, she's like, "Have you guys?" And apparently, they can't even say the word, you know. Intercourse. <laughs> or have you guys had sex? Have you guys done it? No, she she leaves it hanging. It was like, how old are you kids? You shouldn't be having sex if you can't even like say it out loud. But so they go on the second date, and it does lead to the coupe de grasse, as they say. And you know they get it on in the back of homeboy's car. And um, afterwards, you know she's just kind of chilling. It's that weird after period that we're all familiar with. Um, and he ends up just like snuffing her. Uh, I, that lovely moment where we're just enjoying the scenery, and then our our paramour for the night just comes around and uh, and chloroforms us. <laughs> yeah, uh, just takes her out. Um, and this is where the movie, you know, already I wasn't really sure what path we were going down, but just does a complete ninety degree angle. Um, and then we wake up with uh, Jay, and she's chained to this chair uh, while Hugh, poor man's Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Uh, just unveils this giant exposition about what's going on. Yeah, uh, and, and this is where the movie reveals its master plan and uh, probably makes its biggest mistake because it just opens uh, in trying to answer what's going legs. on. <laughs> yes. it, it, it opens it, the clamshell device, <laughs> and, it, and there is there's just more questions than than answers in this little exposition. But he's basically revealing to her that he's cursed. He's passed the curse on to her, and now the only way for her to survive is to pass the curse on to other one, someone else, and via sex. Yeah, yeah, and and this is where like somebody in that quote, they're like, "This is like AIDS. This is an allegory for for AIDS." Oh yeah, the, I was I was saving a lot of that for hashtag real talk, but there was a large majority of, or not majority, but a large percentage of people that thought this entire movie was a parable for AIDS. Okay, do they not know how AIDS works? Because you don't, you don't magically you can't keep... just pass it on, <laughs> right? You don't temporarily stave off death by AIDS if you have sex with someone else and get them infected. You're still dying. Yeah. There's not here if you have sex with someone else, then the demon that's been hunting poor man Spacey and now is hunting her would go on to hunt that person at least until they kill him. So that's not that has nothing to do with AIDS other than oh sex is how you got it yeah really this this whole block of exposition is it's clearly the work of you know the world's most desperate virgin trying to 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 shed himself of that perceived problem cuz it's you know it it's like know, Steve Carell in the 40-year-old virgin when he's trying to talk about that girl he had sex with it's like you don't it, it know what you're like talking about no it it's what it sounds like really is something that um the Jonah Hill character in Superbad would come up with to try and get somebody to sleep with him. <laughs> it's um, the main thing it left me with was just 
like you said, way more questions than answers. And I'm just like, okay, where did this originate? Why did it originate? Where is this coming from? How did you learn all this? Because, yeah, you know, it's... Yeah, the, why Jay? Yeah. <laughs> the the path, you know, like you said, if, if you die, if it gets you, it's going to come after me. Like, well, where the hell did it begin? Has this been going on since medieval times? Well, my like, guess is that it probably began with somebody significantly more attractive than them. And then in the desperation, it just kind of gets passed down. The uh, the evolutionary chain you, you like keep, that. You keep lowering your standards. Yeah, and, uh, and eventually we'll get to you know the last. Say, we call that the Paul effect. We'll get to the last man, and you know that's a, it's a last good thing you. Yeah, it's a good thing you bring up Paul again because I, I meant to mention this earlier, but you know continuing the scream comparison that I, I'm really trying to force here. He, he's obviously the Jamie Fox or the Jamie Kennedy analog, right? Uh, and, told you. Yeah, I mean they're like. <laughs> I mean, they're both the way they both pine after the lead, and they're you know they they have this look on their face like they've been in the friend zone so long they don't remember who they are anymore. <laughs> I, I don't think it, it's it's actually forced at all to bring up Scream because something that kept thinking throughout the movie and well as we go through the plot. Uh, oh, yeah, I wish I well, was watching Scream right now. Well, that too, but I kept thinking Even Scream Four. Uh, Randy Jamie Kennedy's character. He he would just be so angry at these people because it's like they've never watched a horror movie. The way that they behave, it, it's just never have sex. What? But also one of the things that he tells her early during this scene where he's just dumping all this exposition on her is never go into a place that has only one exit because you always have to be ready to get out of there. Like a bedroom, I wrote right? Down too. And, and she keeps doing that throughout the movie. I wrote down the quote: uh, "It's very slow, but it's not dumb." And you know he keeps her chained up to see it coming at her um and obviously this freaks her out and when she gets back home um or she doesn't get back really on her own volition but he drops her off and just tells her friends you know don't go near her and just drops her off she's in her bra and panties she's out on her skivvies in the middle of the street and cops get called there's a bunch of drama but you know at the end of the day she it's consensual sex and she's just really freaked out by the whole thing um but this guy hugh never existed they found this house that he had rented and there really wasn't much to him. He was just trying to pass the thing off. Right. He was using a, a fake name. Obviously, he did stay there at, for a while because he has. Uh, well, we'll see that later. But you know, he yeah, had yeah, uh, this <laughs> bullshit about these people being in high school. How the hell are you going to rent a house <laughs> in your high school? Where's I mean, I don't think working? he was renting a house. It, it he was just squatting. looked like he was squatting. Yeah, uh, that's mean, true. The way he with he all looked. his happy tissues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those tissues and the and the porno out everywhere, and uh, that's that's. You know, that's either the work of a madman or somebody who's, who just needs to get away from it. So not a whole lot has happened yet. I mean, we just got basically the the, the beginning of the movie. But Much like the killer, this movie is very slow. Right. This movie, when it says <laughs> it's slow, but it's not dumb. And I would argue it's actually it's also dumb when it comes to the movie. <laughs> because we've been watching this for 20, 25 minutes already. And we had one kill at the beginning that was... We didn't even get to see it. Right, and we didn't care. It was like some just random it girl. Was like teasing us. How fair is it, though, to, to first knock the the gory, the gory goriness and, and being up front with it and to come in and say we need more of it now later? But that's what I mean. Like The movie keeps going back and forth between, oh, I'm this pretentious cerebral thriller about sexuality, and oh, no, 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 I'm just going to be about women walking around naked while they're like peeing themselves. And uh, you have to pick one or the other. Impressive. Like What I was saying it was the tease is we didn't even see it at the beginning of the film, whereas we just got to see this horribly mangled and grotesquely like deformed corpse. 
which Wait. was not. Pleasant. Did you guys, either of you guys, spend the rest of the movie wondering how her leg got bent like that? Kind of, because you know, spoiler alert, that doesn't happen to anyone else in the film. Yeah, it it seems like a really, I mean, a really gruesome and brutal way to kill somebody. Of like, I'm just gonna snap your leg backwards and just leave you here. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jay's being stalked by it. Uh, stalks her out. Of, basically, she gets freaked the fuck out in class. And um, what it's explained as is it can be in any car- incarnation. It could be someone you have no idea what who it is. It can be someone you love, but you know it's it's coming after you. So right when I when I brought up just a minute ago. Uh, the side of a naked woman peeing herself. That's actually one of the forms it takes. Yeah. When... This first one is just a very fucking scary looking old woman in a nightgown that's just coming at her. Which is just offensive to old people, I think. Because any that reviewer picked up on it earlier also, but, but but he thought that it was a good thing. I personally, I think that enough with making old people scary. You should just just come up with like different ideas, not just that, but also there's you a think tendency. She was seeing a possible future version of herself, and that's what freaked her out. She was wondering what happens in my life that I become this decrepit old woman who but just wants herself happy freely because that means that she's been she survived that long, yeah. so she's been passing on the virus that entire time. But she basically explains what's going on to Paul and Kelly, and they're you know understandably like uh, okay, and they don't really know you know what to make of it but they say they're going to help her out with it um this leads to jay obviously she can't sleep because of this she goes down paul's awake watching television another black and white film um they get into some late night flirting it's broken up by uh, one of the windows gets broken out and he says no one's there and this is where it comes into play because she can see it but they can't so they don't know uh what the fuck she's running from um but it takes two forms at this point in time but yeah Back to Eddie's point, don't go into a place with only one exit. She immediately runs and boards herself up in a bedroom. Yeah. I mean, I assume this movie takes place in a post-scream world, so they they at least are familiar with the, you know, the Sydney phone call with, you know, trying to shut down the killer talking about but, how you don't you you go out the front door, you don't go up the stairs and and that's exactly what she does. Right, but probably not because all they do is watch black and white movies. So, ah, yes. unless scream was Directed by a French filmmaker, and it was, was a Fellini. <laughs> yeah, and that was by accident. They yeah. didn't realize it was from this decade. Uh, yeah, it's it goes back to the confusion uh, that this movie has about what it's trying to say, because that depiction of of the teenagers, that scene where uh, Jay is, is flirting with Paul. I mean, are they flirting? It's clear I think that Paul clearly thinks it's flirting and. And she, she's just. I think she might pick up on it partway through, and then just, you know, kind of gets this remorseful look, like, oh, Paul, he he still yeah. doesn't Paul's understand. Also, and you know, the throwback to Scrubs, the loneliest man on earth. He just gets tapped on the shoulder, and he. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, he, he's he's the walking embodiment of the the great Lonely Island video, jizz in my pants. <laughs> but also, we we find out in this conversation that he was her first kiss. And and Which then clearly she, haunts him, right? Like, almost the, as bad as how he could be haunted if, if they he, were ever to have sex. He realized he plateaued at such a young age, <laughs> right? Not just that, because he says that he kissed her and then he kissed her sister, mm-hmm. and uh, so at some point nice Paul point. was not Paul. At some point Paul was like much more successful than he is now. What are the odds are that Paul is the one who created the it mythology and spread it around? <laughs> this is clearly the work of of very deep 
deep-rooted uh, sexual I mean, frustration. If that's the case, and it works out wonderfully for him, uh, he's, the way the movie I mean, plays he, out, he clearly the Lord take it, then he giveth. Yeah, I mean, he's you know he's he's a patient dude. He's uh, he's ready for the long the long con, and, and he keeps offering Jay ways out, and she keeps you know she keeps shutting him down. So he gets that look like fine. You know, we'll take the scenic route, but we're getting there one way or another. So it shows up and it chases out Jay. She freaks the fuck out. She takes off running, um, winds up in a park where we meet up with Greg, uh, played by Daniel Zavoda, or excuse me, Zovada. Evil Emil Hirsch. Zovato. I'll get it right one of these times. Uh, but anyway, um, he lives across the street. Based on some dialogue between them, it looks like they were previously friends, and then they kind of split apart. Is like he's he's the cool kid, and Jay and her friends are very much not cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when they when uh, I mean Paul's in their group. Yeah, cool I mean that alone. Be. That alone. That's just when the guy in your group is Paul, then you you're kind of doomed to not make it any further. But also, it's just they don't look like teenagers from the present day. They they. Well, when she comes back from her date, when a creepy guy dumps her in her front door, whatever, they're playing cards, which is like, what teenager do you know that plays cards? They should be trying to catch Pokemon or something right now. It's it's not, It just feels so weird. It, it's just as old-timey as that theater that they went to. At any point, did y'all feel... Isn't there a point where Greg wears like a leather jacket vest with jean shorts? It's probably when they're when they're somewhere on the beach that yeah. would surprise me. As you say, at any point during this, did y'all feel the film would have been improved if Ezra Miller Ezra Miller had played the Paul character? Nah, I don't. I mean, Ezra Miller is too good for this movie. I would say I I don't often think of Ezra Miller uh, improving things. <laughs> I mean, to dip into real talk, I I do enjoy him in other non. We need to talk about Kevin things, but you know I. I, I I have nothing else to add. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they meet up with Greg. He has a car and basically is able to do a lot of things. He's he's the badass. He's, he's the cool one. He can he can score beer. He can yeah. He has he, an old car. He has you know uh, the lake house that they just have access to somehow. But he helps them find the house that Hugh was squatting at. Um, and again, you know, they kind of go through it. He had a bunch of, you know, MacGyver devices tied to all the windows, so nothing was getting in without him knowing. Um, he's got a big old stack of porno mags next to this mattress that he was sleeping in. Um, and for whatever reason, he chose to use a picture of him from high school as a bookmark for his porno mag. Well, I, I've, I've thought about this far too much, and I, I may have a theory. Because <laughs> I was about to ask, how yeah, exactly so does I, this make I feel like when he Who goes, bookmarks their porno mag? Well, when he goes to the house... <laughs> well, actually, let's go further. I understand, well, obviously, he was squatting. Because I was going to say, why isn't he just watching porn online like any normal teenager? But, well, we actually... He, well, well, we don't know that right, porn right. exists. Yeah, we don't know that online well, porn, porn exists. exists. <laughs> I, I was going to say online porn. I don't know. We never see it on the clamshell thing. But <laughs> anyway, my theory is that uh, Jeff goes to this uh, to this house, and he squats there with his magazines, and he just relentlessly jacks off while he's there in the hope you know, with the mindset of sex got me into this and this is going to get me out of it. I will pass it on to the and, magazine. And then the part with releases well, the demon. Well, he hopes that, you know, he can uh, pass the burden on to the, the different models and stuff in the pictures. But I, I think the picture of his family is there uh, not as some sort of twisted, perverted thing, but really is a reminder of why <laughs> he's doing this. Like why <laughs> he wants to. 
why he wants to continue living and why he wants to get away from it. Why he's putting himself through this. <laughs> it's, I mean, luckily the the movie doesn't, you know, show, show him in action there, but I imagine it would be very, very similar to a, a Michael Fassbender in shame, like crying, uh, crying as he climaxes type of deal. And, and that's, that's probably pushing the art artiness of the movie too far. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a deleted scene that's uh, in the Blu-ray because uh, this movie is not, it likes to belabor its point and just hammer you with it yeah. because of course this is all about sex this whole movie is about sex and yes, they couldn't even give it a rest when they're exploring the house. Of course the one thing they're going to find of his there is porno mags. So they do find this picture and uh, Jay recognizes the Letterman logo on his uh, jacket and uh, so they go to this high school with the picture to get some more information without you know giving any reason recourse subpoena anything they're able just to get all the information they need about this kid and home address you know his name things like that all they needed was a picture with the with the jacket and then they show up at his mom's house or his parents house where uh jeff he's not hugh he's jeff they find him and this was just a waste of time it was just literally he just went through the exact same dialogue that he did the first time he was in the film Yes, he repeats pretty much the exact same points. He doesn't add any new information. Uh, and and it's not even as if the friends believe that this is real after he says yeah. so. So really, you could take the scene out of the movie and it would well, still all play the same. It would work. It, it could, but there are a couple key bits of information there. Uh, one, uh, they do this throughout the movie, but there's a moment during Jeff's little soliloquy here where he's... You know, he's talking about, you know, just sleep with somebody, just get rid of it. And then he says, you know, anyone would sleep with her immediately cut to Paul's reaction where yes. he's looking to see right. if his plan is falling into place. And she it just goes, you know, she kind of Jay kind of takes that in and then just blows past it. And then uh, then we keep on going and Paul stays sexless. The one thing that really just helped me get through the movie was the constant cuts to to paul like close up of paul reacting to jay just not caring not considering him a sexual partner at all made an entire tumblr page out of all of paul's uh, reactions I, in this see film. going keeping with the movie's theme of being more artful i would say you could probably just make a short film of his reaction shots <laughs> and and just you can chart his whole character arc in probably like two minutes you can call it like mumford and sons <laughs> you, you can set it, it uh, <laughs> getting ahead of ourselves a little bit you can set it to the the uh, noises from a future sex scene in the movie. You can call it the friend zone, and everybody that's ever been the story there, of reaction shots. Yes, you just you don't need the context. You recognize where he is just from the title. And the friend zone, a story of heartache. Yes. So after this, Greg basically says, "You know, I'm going to help out. He's going to take him to the lake house that his parents have. Um, you know, he is the cool kid. There's a handgun up there that he has access to. You know, he gets him a bunch of beer, shit like that. Uh, once more, it's kind of like the beginning of the film." Um, we don't know if it's uh, ocean, lake, whatever it may be. They're just on a shore somewhere. Um, but this is where they try, fail. Uh, they poorly try to recreate a scene from, uh, I believe it was Paranormal Activity 4, in which the, the hair, the demon, sneaks up behind Jay and you know starts pulling her hair up, and her friends are like, what the fuck? It's so ridiculous 
the special effects are so bad in this movie. <laughs> yes. It looks like like one of those it, it looks like a shot from from one of the Wayans brothers' uh, scary movies. Where... Although if it, if it was really from a, a Wayans brothers scary movie, we would probably see the the person in the green, you know, the Whatever the thing I'm trying to say is the green motion capture suit, we would probably see that person lifting the hair while everybody pretends not to know that the guy is there. Uh, so, yeah, the it has taken the form of glasses, her friend there. And Juno. So, it, yeah, it's created a bit of confusion for the viewer because it's like, wait, hold on a minute. Like, what's going on? Right, her glasses is supposed to be floating. She's the only one that's in the water. Correct. And But the, the demon takes hold of her. It... And is basically just trying to snuff the shit out of her. Paul comes up to save the day and just immediately gets like bitch slapped out of frame. Like he just <laughs> takes one. Um, Jay's able to take off during all of this. Greg is just away from the scene. I think isn't he just taking a leak? Yeah, he got up to pee yeah. after. And this is not the first time actually. Ever since we met him, it, 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 just like you have the cutaways to Paul being friend zone. You also have the cutaways to Greg just staring at whichever female happens to be around him so he really he leers at at kelly at, at jay's sister he leers at jay like and then he also glasses too there's a point when they're exploring the house and she's trying to reach a shelf right. and, yeah. and is there a chance that he is the it because there's also a shot where uh yeah it's after the part earlier when when jay sees the the creepy tall old guy or creepy tall guy in her house and she runs out and there's that shot from inside of Greg's car and he's like whoa is that Jay and he, you know he knows that's Jay he's, he's lived across <laughs> the street from her forever and then they follow her he follows her he yeah uh, yeah follows her um so you know she gets up she runs back to the shed uh grabs the gun and actually successfully shoots the thing but then just Three other it's appear and are after. Right. It, it shoots it. It falls down. And then it gets up like a second later. Yeah. They close the door and then it breaks through in a different shape. But it's still it's, it keeps going, which I think that that scene effectively establishes that you cannot kill this thing by shooting at it, Yeah, which is something that the movie later <laughs> completely reverses. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll get there. Yeah. But so Jay then, you know. And again, she lucks out here because she did not know going into that shed that there was an alternative exit. Right. And she takes off. She's able to get out. She runs, takes the... She steals Greg's car. And my favorite part of the entire movie, just like clearly post-recorded dialogue, you hear Greg's car go, That's my fucking car! (laughs) She takes off. uh, She's too freaked out looking behind her. Ends up veering off the road to avoid a collision with a truck and uh, knocks herself out and breaks her arm. You'd think driving into a cornfield wouldn't lead to such you know, such injuries for her. And all she did was run over a mailbox. Right. But she, yeah, when she wakes up, she's in the hospital and she her arm is in a cast. And uh, and then you're like, well, now nobody's going to want to have sex with her because she, she, she broke her arm. It makes you wonder how long she was knocked out for. Because she, you know, she drives away from everybody, but she really doesn't get that far away. So you would think that it would have caught up to her by the time, you know, while she's passed out and while they're waiting to get her to the hospital. Right. But you're, I mean, throughout the movie, it 
doesn't really it, it chases you and then it kind of goes away much like aids it just sometimes it just goes away for a while and then it comes back to attack you later on so uh, greg just ends up you know taking one for the team he just climbs on top of um jay as she's in her hospital bed and does the deed and then in well like- he probably caught on to the fact that it didn't catch up to her while uh while she was knocked out and figured that you know he needed to re-up that that potency afterwards probably the most disturbing shot of the entire film we just get this wide shot of her sex haired and just basically a broken woman laying in bed after yeah, I know. did they check her into a brothel or a hospital man <laughs> know, where are the nurses the doctors anywhere else i there is no i mean yeah, I've been to a few hospitals noticed, in my like, life. Her heart rate changing. <laughs> you can't just like go in and have sex with somebody with a patient. Yeah, and, and, and this this dude's, you know, he took all his clothes off, so he was there for a couple minutes. <laughs> so yeah, Greg goes in, takes it. You know, he. Uh, we get some shots of him flirting with some other lasses at the school, um, but he doesn't think it's a real thing because he doesn't see it, and he just continues and you know. Um, his bravado and cockiness gets the best of him. And he tells Jay, you know, he's not too sure if it's a real thing or not. And Jay, for whatever reason, is still freaked the fuck out by it. I mean, understandably so. She basically sees uh, it in the incarnation of Greg breaking into Greg's house and then goes up. And by that point, it's taken, I believe, the shape of his mother. Right. Yeah. And then he gets killed badly. He get I I would argue this is more disturbing than the original the first kill the kill that opens because she so the mom's knocking on the door it pretending to be the mom Greg opens the door with his famous last words mom what the fuck <laughs> and then the mom jumps on top of him and then when uh, Jay runs to see what's going on she turns the corner looks into the room and the mom is humping Greg on the floor and it's it's pretty graphic series of shots that end with they his with his to, face they, they need you to know what is happening here. right it's much in the vein of oh well the only thing we're gonna find in that guy's house is like the porno mags and and every other shot of jay and her friends is gonna be them in bikinis or skimpy clothes it's just like we're gonna show you supernatural sort of incest yeah. going on you want to see sex and and here it is in all its glory <laughs> So that does it, and so now it is back after Jay, um, and we get a scene that follows up all this, where Paul is, you know, basically trying to sacrifice himself, and Jay almost goes for it, but then she realizes, you know, what happened before. It's like, okay, he's just going to get killed, and it's going to come back to me. It's just so bad. He he has no game. I don't know how he kissed two girls, two sisters, <laughs> some years ago, but because he keeps trying. You know, it's bad when. A girl's survival is dependent on her having sex with someone, anyone, and she won't have sex with you. Well, you know, you know, if you hit her enough times on 20, eventually you're going to get that ace. <laughs> <laughs> so now basically what they're going to do is they're going to trap it. Uh, so it's Kelly, Glasses, Paul, and Jay. Uh, they're going to the community pool or I guess at the local university. I wasn't able to catch exactly what the location was. And they line up all their old school TVs, irons, shit like that. And so what their plan is, is just to put Jay in the middle of the pool. And then once it comes in, she gets out and they electrocute it. Did I miss anything? It is the dumbest plan ever in the history of horror movies. Uh, which goes back to the quote of, uh, it's, the, it's slow, but it's not dumb. No, it is dumb. <laughs> Your movie is slow and it's dumb. That's... Uh, 
there is absolutely if, if if a gunshot didn't kill it, what makes you think that you can electrocute it <laughs> in the pool? But of course, you don't even get to that part because their plan goes awry. Yeah, so she's in the pool and it comes in, and it's a very confusing sequence of uh, you'll see it from her perspective, and then you won't, and then you're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Um, basically, it knows what's up and just starts hurling the TVs and irons and shit at her in the pool. <laughs> and they don't even electrocute her. <laughs> so you wanted to electrocute this demon and you can't even – your little plan couldn't affect a woman. Now, I, I'd like to pause here just to uh, uh, make note of the fact that nobody seems to care about the fact that Greg died. Do you notice how there's – very little reaction from anyone. Uh, Jay sheds a few tears, but while she's driving, There's no really community outpour or anything like that. <laughs> right. Well, well, I mean, we're not really in the community, but my question is: Wouldn't Jay theoretically be a, a suspect here? Because oh yeah, absolutely. You know, he dies, and then she takes off with his car. He's, you know, she she runs his ho- out of his house, so somebody heard the ruckus. They could have seen her leaving, jumping in the car, and driving off. So, you know, they might just be hiding out, waiting for either it or the police to find them. Yeah, this uh, this movie has no time or interest in answering logical questions. I mean, those nurses could have finally played the video from a few nights ago and find out, oh, they were having sex in that room. The movie also, it, it doesn't have time for adults. So any any avenue <laughs> that really- leads you toward an adult <laughs> must be, uh, you know, steered away from pretty quickly. Which is kind of irresponsible because really what you're telling uh, the, uh, the kids, uh, this movie is going to be watched mostly by teenagers. And uh, you're sending all these really confusing... Uh, contradicting messages about sex and sexuality and also about just adults i mean you're right there's no adults in the movie that that offer any sort of help and the movie kind of encourages the kids to stay away from the adults because you don't know what form it could have so really all you have is yourself and the friends that you kind of know that are 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 real people while their plans going awry uh paul was packing heat you know much like sandra bullock in the blind side he's always packing and, uh, or like Sandra Bullock in the heat. <laughs> so she's trying to point out where he is. Uh, what I love about this is she's getting like bludgeoned over the head with TVs, and they're like, stay in the pool! <laughs> they don't want her to get out. And so for once, one of them has a good idea, and Kelly has the blanket, and is just trying to throw it over to see if they can capture the shape of the It the took demon. It took them 90 minutes, but they finally figured something out that Randy and the Scream would have figured out, would have known already. Yeah, and once they do, once right, the... He, sh- he would have also remained sexless in this scenario. <laughs> it's true. Uh, once the blanket's cast and the shape is drawn of, the, of it, um, Paul shoots it in the head, and it falls over, but immediately gets back up. It... it does it fall into the pool? It falls into the pool. I think pool. the first time he shoots it, he hits it in the hand. And then the oh, second yeah, that's time, right. yeah. he gets it in the head. And, and that's when it in. falls. Yeah, you're right. Okay. But so, that's still not enough. Yeah. Okay, come on. Let's get out, Jay. They try to get her out. And it grabs her by the ankle and is pulling her down. And, you know, like the fucking opening scene of Saving Private Ryan, just <laughs> Paul's just unloading into the water. It doesn't care that he might hit her. Exactly. It, did you see the... the the bullets flying past her and you're like this is why we need stricter gun laws because that guy he doesn't i understand he wants to do good he's trying to save the day but i mean this is the poster 
you know, the the poster argument for the good guy with the gun theory. Yeah, um, and much like yeah. his his attempts at game, he just cannot hit to save his life. <laughs> and but eventually, you know, a renegade bullet connects in the head of. Um, That's like you know continuing to hit on twenty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because also like when he was first shooting at it, he hits glasses. That's why glasses yeah, is right. in the hospital. He yeah. he shoots her. I mean, luckily he didn't hit her head, but. But once he does connect with it, he shoots it, and you know, Jay gets out of the pool. And he's like, is it still in there? And this is where, like, the entire... this From this point forward, you could argue that the finish of the film is like a dream sequence. Because nothing really makes too much sense. Yeah. Well, also, uh, I don't know if you got this. Cause well, I, well, by that logic, is the whole movie a dream sequence? Possibly. <laughs> a feverish I mean, I sex dream. up with the logic. I mean, it, is it is it the, the dream of the dead girl? No, the the final form that it takes is Judd Apatow. And... And the big reveal that the movie was saving until the very end, because they they ask her until you were forty. <laughs> yeah. They ask her, they ask her, what's it look like? And she doesn't want to tell. And then you find out it's her dad, right? Did I get that right? Like when they're, you're looking at the pictures, that's I I do not know. Well, I was I was Seriously so bored that I was looking jokingly. at the pictures. <laughs> so her the big reveal is that. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. They looked like her dad. All, all that that explains is that oh, she was. That's why she didn't want to tell them what it looked like in the, at the very end. And then, uh, basically, it just the pool turns into like a bubbling cauldron. There's blood, viscera, black shit. Um, you know, it's it doesn't really paint too clear of a picture of what happened to it. But what a clear picture that is painted is that you know Paul his patience paid off. You know. He had the patience of Job, and he was rewarded with that sweet, sweet, <laughs> sweet Jay. Uh, and easily, out of all the sex scenes in the film, of a, a movie based on awkward sex, the most awkward sex scene in the film. Yes, which is kind of, I don't know. There's, so there's three sex scenes, really. The one in the car, uh, when she first contracts it. And then the one in the hospital. Uh, it's a bit out there, but I'll take it. <laughs> And then the one at the very end, when allegedly she's cured of AIDS, so she's okay to have sex again. Do you count? Should we count the implied sex scene? Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's uh, we we missed that that little part uh, when she after Greg dies, she drives off and she sees three guys in a boat, and you see her start taking her clothes off, right. and the next time you see her, she's wet. So you're like, and, and that actually did make me wonder. The rules of this whole thing are so poorly explained that your mind wonders. Uh, not that you don't have time to wonder because there's, you know, it's so slow that you have time to digress while, you know, yeah. before the next thing happens. But I was wondering, how does it work when it's group sex? Do all three of them get it? So now she has like three. They, I think they, they would just cancel each other out. <laughs> they cancel each other out? Yeah, because really, you know, if you're, if you're following the logic correctly, you know, maybe she's desperate enough that she thinks if she sleeps with all three, you know, that's three different people that could have it, but right. really it would be the first one unless she convinces that one to have sex with his friend and that, that is, one to it, get the other friend. That is true, yeah. So that's – she's – yeah, that that doesn't – And they don't show it because we know, don't know how those guys like to party. That would have been the most interesting scene in the movie, and they don't show you that. That whole negotiation of like, okay, well, who, who gets the virus first and how we create the chain of command that goes – you know, in a way that where she eventually achieves her her goal of having at least three bodies between her and the virus. We may not know all that, but what we do know is that Paul gets to lay the pipe, and now Paul has it. And... I don't think I think it's more like the pipe is laid while Paul 
is there. He doesn't really do anything. Paul is the one doing the laying. He he is <laughs> yeah. laying like a, a corpse. He he's probably more still than Greg's corpse wherever that is. <laughs> so you know, but the thing is, Paul and, and Greg was still getting it in the afterlife. <laughs> It took him to the afterlife. <laughs> he died like he lived. <laughs> so Paul and Jay finally... Is that the ultimate full circle-ness of life? You know, dying by a crushed pelvis? He, know, he died out like, the way you came in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so Paul and Jay finally give in to their baser instincts. Uh, she gives in to his baser instincts. Uh, and she's just so... You know, she's a so far woman. removed from yeah. where she was at the beginning of the movie. But the movie kind of wraps up with Paul. He he takes it, and then he takes it, and he takes it to a, presumably a prostitute at this point in time because there's the implied thing. He drives past those uh, to clearly hooker women in the seedy part of Detroit, and you know, I don't know if he gave it off, but he uh, yeah, Detroit gets a pretty. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't come across as a, a nice place to live in. But then Glasses has like a speech later of in the movie. It's a, it's a place here depicted as, as somewhere that's just full of rundown houses and and ramp, you know teens running around having sex all all over the place with with little to no adult supervision. Right, and and part of it is just because this is the land that time forgot because there's no technology in Detroit. Apparently. Or it could be, you know, part of the dead girl from the beginning. Part of her, you know psyche where you know her body is decomposing much like detroit is in the movie yes and, and much like you know all of these people are as jay becomes broken and people die and stuff so we don't know exactly what paul may have done with it but the movie closes with paul and jay you know just on a stroll they begin holding hands and then we pan back to see something following them i mean we don't really see something following we it's kind of we actually see something like or I thought I saw something. Oh, I think you were just being paranoid. No, no. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. You see no, like somebody no behind them. There's, there's, you know, the way they're walking, there's they're holding hands and there's the gap between them and there's clearly somebody behind them in the background. Mm-hmm. It's there, not, it's, but it's not the guy that they pass at first. No, they pass there's a guy, a guy that's, that's like mowing his lawn or something. But there's somebody walking down the sidewalk, sidewalk behind them. Yeah. Well, so this is your first time watching it, though, uh, Alex. Do you feel like uh, it it lived up to the... Wait, I have a question before we get to that. What do the pools signify, man? We see Jay in a pool at the beginning. We see her swimming later. We see her pool broken and empty. And then we see the pool at the end. I was hoping that it was like a precog type situation from Minority Report in the beginning when she was just floating, but uh, sadly, it's it's simpler than that. The I pool couldn't, I couldn't figure out the broken pool. That one threw me a loop. The pool is just an excuse to is get it her a metaphor for Detroit. If only maybe condoms. or the dead girl. Oh. It's a uh, it's just an excuse to show her show some skin. That's that's really uh, part of the movie's contradicting message where it's trying to condemn. Sex and sexuality, but then at the same time, it tantalizes you with like the sex scenes with shots in the skin. Her I could see old some. school style one piece bikini <laughs> that reveals almost nothing. I could see more of like you know coming from an artsy standpoint that it was meant to represent the womb of when you know where because that's where it begins Jay's journey for us is you know in that and then you know that's where she continuously goes to try to give life and then 
you know, the waters broke towards the end of the movie. Except you have that first time that she's at the pool, there's like two kids that we never see again in the movie. Much, much are, like Flint, Michigan, the, the water is bad. The two kids, they watch it. They're watching her just float there. And she's like, I can see oh, you. Yeah, that shit went nowhere. Right. But that's well, like much of the movie. It just, it's just like another thing that he just kind of threw out there. But uh, you could argue that the kids represent the audience. And it's just when you're just given, you spend five minutes watching her float there in her non-revealing swimsuit, but that still shows enough skin to be like, oh, what, what else yeah, are we going to see here? Pretty, it's a pretty damning indictment of the audience, if that is what it is, because it's, you know, two preteens who, you know, are not clever at all. They get caught, and then immediately they go back to doing what they just got in trouble for doing, and they clearly don't learn their lesson. And and they and don't I matter just, in the movie because you never see them again. That's yeah, that's a very arrogant thing to put in there and just you know telling the audience up front you're you're not even smart enough to understand my movie, so don't even try. Just watch the girl <laughs> in the pool. I, it, it's just uh, irritating just to see basically how it exploits its female characters in a sexual way, while at the same time trying to pretend it's some sort of warning about dangers of unsafe sex. Uh, while also trying to be like this really artsy, uh, high road depiction of a horror movie, but also having this really gory shit, really disturbing shit happening every now and then. It's like, just make up your mind. What kind of movie are you trying to make? Uh, but to answer your question before we move along, uh, I went into this knowing very little about it and came out knowing even less. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I went in with no questions. I came out with many. <laughs> but I'm sure if you that if sounds you... very very similar to you know some kind kind of like Paul, somebody you know a virgin who thinks they know everything and then they get what they want and realize they have no idea <laughs> what they really wanted or what anything means. So it follows. Watching it follows is like the first time you have sex. You thought you were ready for it, and then when you come out of it, you're like, well, yeah. I, I wish I just watched Scream again. <laughs> Let me tell you, it does not get better the second time around. <laughs> this is my second time watching it, and uh, just as confusing. All right, real talk? Yes. Yes. Uh, Storyline is so interesting. I need someone to tell it. Yeah, I need you to tell me. I want to hear it from you guys. What, what's the Storyline. I mean, it. Everyone's like, "Yeah, do you want to I tried earlier. Yeah. I failed horribly trying to do that. So it's it's really it's a very difficult movie to explain. Um, I mean, basically, the, this idea came from our director David's nightmares. Um, uh, he had this consistent nightmare as a kid of this this thing it following him, and sometimes it would be a family member or a random person. And it would never be running. It would be always very slow. And, mm -hmm. and he says that it, you know, is even scarier in a way. This like slow thing moving towards you. And so he ended up wanting to make a movie out of it. Was it were a lot of scenes directly from his dream? Like, did he talk about them specifically to you guys? I mean, I feel like basically all the scenes with the it following okay. us in some way were connected to his dreams, um, which is I think pretty cool. Yeah, it came from you know his his mind uh, dreams. Yeah. All right, hashtag real talk. So it follows was released. Um, its national release was March thirteenth of twenty fifteen. Uh, so yes, uh, definitely the most recent movie that we have done. Um, it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival and had big wide acclaim. So they wanted to make sure it got a wide release. 
Uh, budget of an estimated two million dollars for a box office of right around twenty million. Uh, again, stands at a very high and just standard ninety seven percent. Just to jump in for a second, I if I remember correctly, I think the movie was supposed to open in theaters and VOD at this on the same day, but it did so well initially that they changed up the whole release plan for it on the fly, which. Uh, is really just an interesting tidbit if you care. Yeah, it's like they opened and then all the people that were expecting a VOD, they were like, well, when, when are you supposed to do VOD now? And they're like, just wait, the VOD, it follows. And it was all, <laughs> and it was supposed to be, a, I, I did read, it was supposed to be just a, a limited release, but like the limited markets they were testing it and did so well that they're like, all right, fuck it, national release, we're doing it. Uh, directed by David Robert Mitchell, uh, his second feature film, um, American. What was the full title of his first film? The Myth of the American Sleepover. Okay, and that was from ten years prior, at least, right? Oh no, it was not like that long. No, three or four years. Right, because I remember oh, it, sorry, it played sorry. at South by Southwest yeah, here. I, I was mixing it up because I was looking at his filmography. The short film he did, his film debut, was in two thousand two, called Virgin. Um, but yes, had not seen this movie. Knew very little about it prior to recording. I think Julio and Eddie have pronounced opinions on it, but I loved it. Now, before we get into it, were there people that did not love it so much? Yes, you had to dig a little deep to find the negative quotes on Rotten Tomatoes, but there are a few green splotches there, uh, like Ben Sachs from the Chicago Reader, who says, follows, he wouldn't even call it It Follows, it's just like, fuck it, follows, is an effective pastiche, but a studied one. By the end, even its ambiguities feel over-determined. What? Talk about pretension, man, <laughs> that, is, that is, I mean, I... Granted, you know, we're not getting the full context, but that quote, man, that that hurts. Uh, Jason Zingel from Bullseye.com says, It follows may have a pretty terrifying premise, the kind of story that urban legends are born from, but it's much scarier in concept than execution. Charles Koplinski from Illinois Times just simply says, Follows fails to follow through. Zing! What's up with the, the disrespect from the people that don't like it talking <laughs> off the it? I know. And then Marianne Johansson from Flick Philosopher. Uh, I just love this because I, I don't care much for the movie, but I think she misses the point so badly. <laughs> she says, wait, really? Horror movies are still doing the punishing girls for having sex thing? Ah, but this is 80s retro, so it's okay then. Yeah, that widely misses the point <laughs> yeah, of the movie. That's but all right. Swing and a miss. Let's uh let's let's start just by by saying where we stand. So Eddie loves it. So I, much I so am that the ninety seven percent. He owns the Blu ray player. We're trying to figure out how to watch it and then he volunteers like, Oh, do you guys want to bring the Blu ray? Super special edition. Yeah. Uh it comes with the Blu ray and the digital H D download code. And you're I I mean I don't hate it. I've you know me and horror movies. It it takes Ooh. yeah, it, it takes a lot to keep me engaged and for me to to really take it seriously. It, and I watch this movie all the way to the end, but I find it uh overrated and kind of infuriating. So, I didn't know too much about it or its legacy, so to speak. Um I thought it was excellent. So you didn't know the gimmick, like you had no idea that no. oh, it's about. I so knew nothing about it. Okay, because I think that one of the reasons why I, 
I had such a negative reaction the first time I watched it was because it came it was like after months and months of people telling me you need to watch this movie and people telling me this movie is about this and then I watched it and I was like not really and it's not that great <laughs> there's been a massive disconnect with me and film over the past two years and in, in the sense of like unless it's got someone that I really am following or you know it's something I can't help but hear about. I don't like movies like this, unfortunately, now kind of slip through the cracks for me. But so going into it as a completely blank slate, like I, I thought it was excellent. It was. I mean, it scared clearly, you. Yeah. Oh, dude, that that shit with that big tall dude scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it wasn't like a ah, type scare, but it just like it was like, holy fuck. Um, it's clear that in, to a certain extent it wants to be, you know, uh Mitchell wants to be John Carpenter because there's so many shots that are clearly Halloween one shots. Those big wide ones where you just see the stoic character in the background moving forward and things like that. But the tone it sets, the story's original enough. I think it does kind of, you know, as we were really able to do in the first portion and just kind of dissect some of it doesn't make too much sense. I would say most of it doesn't make much sense. That, I, that's I my main problem an, with it. I do have an argument for that. that I don't know if we're getting into sex that just yet. Or if we want to <laughs> wait. That's just sex, guys. I do I do have... Sometimes you just wind up with your leg behind yeah. your head and you don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're looking one way and your leg's looking the other. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, sure, let's let's get into it. Unless you want to tell us first why you like it so much, uh, Eddie. Uh Great horror. You know, it just it just works on you know so many levels for me. It's you know I, I find it really engrossing. Uh, I, I I find it to be like a pretty visceral uh, watch. And one thing that I always talk myself into a corner of, uh, regarding this movie is the ambiguity, which you had in one of your negative quotes. But that's actually something that I really like about the movie, and I, I like how you can kind of project you know for me part of what makes the movie so successful is that it it's vague enough that it it allows you know the viewer to project your own fears onto it and, and kind of you know see you see it through that perspective which uh you know i i've thought about this movie a lot uh since i first saw it and i just I've, i find it really compelling all the way around and i also uh you know to that end I did have a quote that I wanted to bring up. Um, let me see. I'm sorry. Time for quotes are, are done. We're already done. <laughs> We've moved I, I know. I know we're, we were in the negative quote portion, but one more positive one. So it uh, goes, okay, quote, there's the obvious STD allegory at play, but that's not nearly as compelling as the larger theme of the sexual baggage we all carry. Casting a wider net still, the it is just enough of a Rorschach uh, entity that you see in it whatever you want throughout the movie it appears as an old woman a freakishly tall man a possible murder victim a deranged woman an old nude man and a ruggedly handsome guy in his underwear uh, all creepy in their own right but taken in totality it makes me think that there's not only or sorry it makes me think that it, it is not only following each of us but we could be somebody else's it uh, it pops up without notice and that sense of inevitability is the thing that really gets at me. End quote. Who's that? Uh, funny you should ask. That quote is from Eddie Strait, uh, writing for brojackson.com uh, on the topic of his God, favorite movie of 2016. yourself. That's even more pretentious than this movie. 
I, I had to do it. I couldn't work it into the... Nicholas Winding Refn over here. I, I could not find a way to work it into the contrarian talk part, so I had to save it here just for the laugh. Uh, the, damn, dude. Like, I, I want to say fuck you because of how pretentious it is, but like when you're saying it, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> I got, I'm glad I didn't say, like, fuck that guy. <laughs> I wish you had because that would have made the laugh even better. Uh, I, uh, okay, so a contrarian's corner, I was like accusing of being pretentious. I actually don't have a problem with that. That's my favorite part of the movie is just how it tries to be better than the average horror movie. It really tries to do something interesting. My main problem with the movie is the logic. And that's that I know that has something to do with me as a viewer. I just I need to for some things to make sense in a way that sometimes gets in the way of me enjoying some things that are more uh, meant to be enjoyed viscerally, so to speak. But I think it follows actually trips itself up because I don't mind the ambiguity. I enjoy the ambiguity. Scenes. My favorite scene in the movie is when she sees those guys in the boat, and then next time you see her, she has her hair wet, and you're like, "Okay, so did she go and have sex with them? What happened?" I I love that stuff. What I don't like is the constant rewriting of rules and the constant where it seems that they're making stuff up on the go. I I really it bothers me to no end that they kill or stop temporarily the threat by shooting it when you've already established that shooting it does not stop it. Yeah. Uh, that the big climatic plan that they have is to electrocute it. It has absolutely no setup. There's nothing that leads you to believe that that would stop it, and yet they make a big deal out of it. They even keep it secret. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they say, do you trust me? Yes. Okay, well, let's go. And, and then you don't find out as the audience what how dumb their plan is until you, you see it happen. At the same time, it's what the fuck would you do in that situation? Well, okay, yes. It's coming back to that. But first, uh, so for the ending, did you really not see uh, like the person behind him? Uh, in the last shot as they're walking? Uh, I, I did so like, this time. I, not, after you brought it up, I think I remember like the first okay. time I watched it. And then, because I, I kind of think part of what you were saying might, or I guess how you view the ending might tie into uh, how you you feel about that. Um, well, but, but no, I mean, it doesn't matter if the if the threat is gone or not at the very end of the movie. That, that's, okay. uh, you know and what I mean? Do you like, have an opinion one way or the other? Of whether it is, well, no, I actually like not knowing. I like the fact that now they they just kind of they're going to live the rest of their lives in fear because they don't know if it's coming or not. I think that's great. Quit, before I forget, were you being serious about that last character was her dad? Am I wrong? I mean, I don't know. I, I think it is, but I'd have to see the picture I, again. I forgot to look for it this time, actually. I remember noticing it the first time I watched it and thinking, that's really lame <laughs> because, you know, it doesn't really pay off anything. It's not like uh, there's been any indication that her dad is dead. is dead or that it's it did something to her that would mean that, oh, you know, when she sees him at the end, it has some sort of emotional resonance. Besides Although I guess her dad her wouldn't have to be dead if it's right. it just to take a Right, that's yeah. why glasses yeah. shows up there. But, but I mean, it doesn't have any, any importance other than... like, this has been her career-defining <laughs> performance, and we're just fucking calling her glasses. Well, that's kind Be of like... more memorable, glasses. <laughs> glasses, clamshell, whatever you want to call it. I mean, she doesn't really... She's like the quirky girl. But real... Well, this is real talk. Um, the more we're kind of discussing this and getting into it, the more I'm realizing how fucking much I liked it. Like, it's... It's scary, but not in a conventional what we've come to accept as scary in a horror movie type sense. And obviously the scares are there in terms of like blah and stuff like that. But um, very just fucking creepy. And what doesn't work about it for you works more for me in terms of like it's 
you don't know what's going on. You don't know what applies and like how to go about it and shit like that. Now that being said, I did find the scene on the beach really hokey with the hair and everything. Like <laughs> I've forgotten about it, and yeah. then I started like, oh. No, uh, it's. Uh, but you know, outside of that, I think the acting is really good. I think it's, if nothing else, the cinematography is incredible. Specifically, the when homeboy um, chloroforms her and ties her up, how the camera is stationary on that like mm-hmm. shopping cart mm-hmm. or whatever the yeah. fuck she's tied to. That shot and that scene is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, Getting back to what Julio was saying for a second Sorry, about about their plan not making any sense, uh, that's actually something I really like about the movie. And I know, like, there's no real way for me to spin it a, other, uh, you know, and come off as anything other than oh, you like the movie and you're making excuses for it. But um, you know, I agree that their plan doesn't really make much sense. But I also think that's because they, you know, nobody, you know, for all the talking they do about the rules and stuff, n- nobody actually knows what what the deal is beyond you know if it gets a hold of you you know it can kill you and and beyond that anything anything they that somebody tries to pass off as being the truth or or being you know the mythology of it uh, just kind of ends up being like somebody's best guess and, and when it um, you know so when when their plans fail and they keep floundering it makes sense to me that you know they're fighting something they don't know how to how to combat so um you know, it doesn't bug me when when their plans get more more ludicrous. Well, well yeah, I mean, I, I guess to make it, it, it to explain it better, I, I, it doesn't bother me that they have a bad plan or that their plan fails. It bothers me that it's not acknowledged that it's a bad plan at any point by the movie, not by the characters. You know what I mean? There is no, I, I can't follow the the logic that makes him believe that this is a good that this this plan will work. I mean, he seems pretty convinced that this would work. And I right. don't see how, don't see how he gets the there. Writer, director, no, I'm talking about Paul. Paul. Okay. Paul, he sees the photo on the of the girl in the pool, and it's like he has this light bulb moment. And you, as an audience, it, the, the the movie's telling you, okay, he's figured something out. But then, what he has figured out is just a stab in the dark that doesn't really pay off. It, you know, it doesn't follow. It's not even as in you're like, oh, he was just pretending for her sake to to have the answers because it's, you never see that uh, that. No, I mean, I, I believe off. that he thinks he's he's got it figured out, but then it right. But it, it, so, how do you? Why you know? It's same thing. Like the the guy, it, it bothers me, and that's the problem I have with horror movies in general because you have that characters falling into this thing where they don't ask the the obvious questions. They have the guy, uh, what's his name, Jeff, yeah. right? They they track him down, Lord. and they don't really ask him anything. They just. Like you said, he repeats what he already told her. And I was gonna say that if I did have a big complaint about the movie, it's just that the redundancy of that is kind of silly, right? It, well, but I, they never because I would ask him, okay, how do you know this? That's like you're talking about, like how would you act if you were in this situation? I would be like, how do you know this? How that would, that would be a really interesting question. I, I would have liked to have seen them ask that too, because then, although it probably would have tipped, you know, tipped the hand, the movie's hand that nobody really knows. Right, but that would make it to me. That would make it more interesting because I'm like, okay, well, we're acknowledging then that he's just making it up, or that he can just say, "Well, I really don't. This is what I figure out." Okay, but but have somebody ask that question because if you don't, then you're like, "Why are you doing this? Oh, you're not acting like people that I can recognize as human." Um, in reading, just kind of quickly before we start recording, so they want to do a sequel, and the idea behind the sequel is Jay tracing the the line back 
See, I, I never, I had heard that, but I also didn't remember if that was, if that idea actually came from uh, David Robert Mitchell or, because I, I had originally first seen it as somebody's yeah. pitch. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't believe that God, we're ever going to see a call it, for it. Follow it. That, that was the pitch was, you know, the whole pitch that in the tweet, which of course had to be condensed, was just follow it. So I, I, I really oh, don't I'm not, think I'm we're not as clever as I thought I was. <laughs> Um, yeah, because how, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, not that this is relevant to the movie at all, but I don't, I don't really understand that premise. Cause if she follow, you know, how do you follow something that's just following you and is going to catch you? And if you try and trace it back, you know, you're going to get a couple steps and then you're going to get to a dead person. You know, you're going to get to Greg and, or Jeff, or you're going to find out about the girl at the, the beginning, beginning. And then, you know, how are you going to find out who all these people slept with? Yeah. And then you're just going to open up a treasure trove of things you don't want to know. Um, final point on the, the finish of the film. Um, it makes sense that Paul puts it together because Paul really did not deal with it at any point in the film. So he's just fucking guessing. His guess is as good as anything. If it was Jay that put the plan together, then I would pay a bit more credence to your complaint that it's stupid. But no, but he he has been with them every time they face it. Almost, he's there when it gets shot, and they they you know he hits it with the chair, and, it, and nothing and, happens. And he gets <laughs> right. Bitch slapped. He gets bitch slapped, so he knows it's strong. It knows that you know just hit it with blunt force, not going to do anything. He's there when she shoots it, and nothing happens. So actually, I think he has enough experience to know that. Why would you think electricity will do it? It, it, the the bullet thing, especially, that's what gets me because if the shot, if a bullet doesn't stop it, why would you even try a gun again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's that kind of stuff. The other thing that also I remember bothering me more back then, now not so much. I really appreciate the whole uh, its take or or how it explores sexuality and teenage sexuality and all that stuff. When people start talking about like, oh, it's about STDs and all stuff, that's when it just that's it, it's so it's so obvious that it it's not interesting to me whenever people talk about that and the uh, and and that sorry to reference the quote of myself, but the the part about you know sexual baggage going beyond the STDs that was actually that was something I had heard from uh, from our our friend uh, John Golson that he had posed, I think, on Twitter at one point. And it was it was something that I, I think is way, you know, significantly more interesting um, than the, the just going with the STD allegory. I was, I was just, like, uh, skimming through the Wikipedia page and the IMDb page while we were record, uh, watching it to get all my factoids and shit. And it was probably halfway through the movie, and I read that, that a large majority of people saw it as a parable for the HIV and AIDS virus, and I'm just like, no, like, and that goes back also to this point in time that we're at, where people want to look way too far into shit that's not even there, and it's like, obviously, this is a movie that does have some context behind what it does, but at the same time, yeah, that that would be a really stupid way about going about approaching the topic of AIDS because it's exactly what you said in the first portion. You don't just give it to someone and then you're done with it. Right. It's it just when you make it that specific, when you when you read it so specifically, then you're missing the point. I think that you can just stop it. Sex can be dangerous. Yeah. And that that covers it. You don't have to 
when you really make start battling for this other point, which is like, oh no, it's like SCDs, it's AIDS. Well, now now the movie looks stupid. If that's what they're trying to do, yeah. it doesn't make sense. And you know, I've I've been fortunate in my life in that I've not had any like horrible sexual experiences in terms of things that have like traumatized me. I've obviously things that I'm like, oh, uh, God, you, you you need to live more, sir. Yeah, I'm like, oh, well, why did I do that? But at the same time, <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense, and the, that kind of shit does haunt people from time to time. And you know, it's not. And what the incomparable quote that was read off said is <laughs> when you have sex with someone, you're having sex with every person they've had sex with. And like that can carry in baggage and things like that. It's not something that has to be looked into as deep as disease, famine, things like that. It's Yeah, it it really, I mean, it, a lot of the, the just sex stuff there, or, you know, if you're trying to, to look at it for something deeper, it, it goes back to like really basic things that you always hear about like sex complicating your relationships just you know oh. com- yeah mm-hmm. complicating uh you know making your own thoughts more more complicated and conflicted and uh and i i think when you stick to that it's it, it still works pretty well but when you if you if you really hone in on the std stuff then i i think you're missing out a lot of Right. You know, what what is there to be mined from the movie? Because going back to my favorite moment in the movie, that has absolutely nothing to do with the, the STD angle or even like the sex angle. This is just her that moment is just her being a survivor, which has nothing to do with sex. Yeah, and that's like I mean, I know she has sex a couple other times, but that that one specifically, that moment is, you know, that that's like her, you know, I guess trying to reclaim or take control of her sexuality again and, and she she makes that choice which i think pays off really well at the end when paul's driving around and sees the prostitutes because i think he you know he faces the same question and he decides not to do it and you know he's i don't know if it's you know i don't i don't i don't know if he does it out of a you know hubris thinking he can beat it or if he does doesn't get with one of the prostitutes because he thinks that would be like morally wrong, or if you know he's just gonna to be fair, go on. Those chicks were really lumped up and frumpy. It's true, but you know when you're Paul, it's not like you can just <laughs> go out somewhere. Have the pick of the litter. Yeah, it's, he's not like Jay. But uh, and so that is such a good point that the movie makes too. Like I really love, and it's thrown kind of casually, but it's one of the strongest things that it says when. Uh, what's his name? Jeff. Just Jeff. yeah. When he just goes like, "Well, you know, you're a girl, so you can get rid of it quickly or easily." That is so like telling about just everything. Yeah, because <laughs> he, you know, he he spouts that off, and he's somebody who's like gone and squatting in a house. He's passing himself off as a different person, all all in the name of just hooking up with somebody. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, when when he's finally confronted with it, it it's it's a shame they don't call him out. Or you know how far he went to it, or you know he he had to go to sleep with somebody else. And then it's rewarding too, in terms of what the story is trying to tell, that you have the Greg character because, like, as far as your particular reading on the film, Eddie, uh, that kind of character is needed—the kind of person that thinks there's sex, no consequences. I can do whatever the fuck I want. I don't have to worry about anything falling up. And then my mom humps me to death. <laughs> yeah, and one last thing on on Paul and the ending. Uh, what I really like about what I perceive as his choice not to sleep with the prostitute is that he's, you know, on some level he's accepting, you know, 
what his life is or what his fate may be and that he's not going to be controlled by it you know he's seen what it's done to jay and just you know reduced her to a shell of herself herself by the end of the movie which uh, i think makes the last shot really really effective because they're walking you know i believe it's the it that's following him but i love that neither one of them is looking over their shoulder whereas throughout the whole movie everybody's constantly looking over their shoulder we're constantly getting 360 shots and like wide shots where we just linger and you know you're watching all parts of the screen to see if there's anybody coming at you and in this last shot there's somebody coming at them and they're just going about their business and i love it well okay so i read it differently because to me so the way you're reading it's like okay they're not looking over their shoulders therefore they're accepted that you know this is life and I, I don't think or it's they won't upset. live in fear at least or, or I don't I, I don't know if it's about living in fear but it, it's about you know acknowledging the threat that is there and deciding to not let the fear dictate how they're gonna live yeah but see and, and this is it this goes back to the way that I watch horror movies and why I can't enjoy them because to me it doesn't make sense that they wouldn't look you know it's not that oh well I just won't look at it and it's gonna be okay <laughs> you know? well I mean well you can you can see it as you know, Jay's not looking over, you know, if, if you're really, you know, being, uh, you know, really in the self-preservation mode, maybe she's not looking over her shoulder. Because, because she's no she worried. Right. It's got to go through him at least. And, you know, maybe he told her that he's going to go to a prostitute or something. So maybe she thinks he's safe and, you know, he's taking on the burden and he's not looking over because he's, you know, he doesn't want to end up like Jay, which, you know, could be totally foolish. But but it, it actually there's a point I wanted to bring up. Um well, there's two things. One, and I, I didn't know how to put this in Katrina's corner, but it's, it's a kind of question. How does this work in the sense of like, so they had sex, she passed it on to him. Yeah. If they have sex again, does he pass it back? By having sex, yeah. you know, did Paul just sacrifice his entire relationship with her as in like, now it's going to be a platonic thing because they can't have sex again. He's going to throw it back and forth. Or they could just go back yeah. and forth. It's like, if we're doing it, we're doing it twice tonight because you have to get it back. <laughs> It could uh, be. I mean, they, of course, you know, they don't know the rules. And by, at the point, you know, who knows how long the, or how far back the the trail of it goes. But, you know, from all we know, it's just people desperately passing it, trying to pass it from one person to the next. So nobody, you know, on that level, they're at least, well, no, never mind. They're, they're just trying to pass it along. I almost said something that didn't make sense there. So what is the purpose of the pools? You got me thinking now. What's your, what's your read on that? I, I don't know. I think it's kind of, there's like the real simple In a like sense, rebirth, like, like, you know, cleansing, whatever uh, metaphors that you usually get with water. And I mean, there's some, I don't, you could call it foreshadowing since she starts in the pool when nothing, when, you know, when she's totally fine and then to, you know, to cleanse herself at the end she's in the pool to you know the ending happens and then she gets out of the pool and theoretically she could be a new person or she could you know be starting a new then what would have been the significance of the drained pool that was like broken? i I would you know i would just say reflecting jay's i mean that's her lowest point yeah her lowest point she's you know that's like right after that's right after she supposedly has sex with the three guys in the boat and so or with the, one guy will do it to watch uh-huh. the one shot of the movie I thought was really interesting um, is at, right after she gets it and then that ball gets thrown at her window it's not it watching her it's like it's the kid yeah because he's like squatted in like, yeah and I think it's like a really unsubtle I, I have no clue what it 
I mean, I guess I can figure out what it, it could be representing, but it, it's really unsettled, uh, you know, fact that she's standing there after sex, uh, after hearing about this, and she's in the bathroom, she's looking at her crotch, and then a red ball hits the window. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't know if you want to say it's a little crude or, or what, but it that just stood out to me this time. And then uh, I thought it was... I just I enjoyed it because it was uh, like a red herring scare that started everything before like the movie got like scary. So I thought that was... I'm, I'm not quite sure what the significance of showing the kid outside. Like, I mean, it's super creepy that he's, you know, how long was this dude on the roof? Or yeah. was he, you know, why was he up there? How long was he up there before he saw her in the bathroom? Or could he see her like pretty easily because i mean the window was up there yeah but i think that actually and that's something else i like of the movie it really kind of puts you in the mindset of a woman being ogled all the time i mean even before she contracts it she's being you know there's the two peeping toms watching her in the pool and and there's just that Paul's sense just of constantly a thirsty ball and and, well, yeah. and then Greg, you know, he's constantly looking at every single female in in, yeah. in the movie. So it's just that thing of like, well, yeah, that's you're growing up, you're a teenager, and there's like sex everywhere, and not even if you're trying, you're not interested. Sex is pushing its way towards you. So yeah. uh, that's no, all that stuff is good. I just, you know, it just goes back to that. My brain works in a way that I like to figure stuff out and if the movie's throwing like pieces at me it bothers me if there's no follow-up and then on top of that when you have the characters not acting uh in character that uh i was gonna say the other thing i wanted to bring up was it's related to that because uh our friend uh chaz he read something that i've written and one of his uh, one of the things that he told me about it was concerning a sequence where he was like this is all pretty good but there was so much for me to figure out during this sequence that my brain was working on trying to figure out what was going on and how it had happened. And I couldn't really connect to the heart of this of the scene mm-hmm. because my brain was trying to just figure out how it all worked. And that's how I felt a lot during this movie where there's all the stuff that I like, but the entire time I'm trying to figure out how the rules work. And, uh, and so... Uh, Going back to that character of Jeff, you know, when he's talking about the things that he knows, that's why I wanted somebody to ask him how he knows that, because that's what my brain's focusing on, and I can't focus on everything else. Same thing at the end, you know, it's like, why do they think this is a good plan? Because my, you know, my that's what my brain is thinking about, and I can't, it makes it harder to focus on, like, the cool shots and, like, the the other stuff that the movie's saying that yeah. has nothing to do with the plot. So, uh, it goes back to honestly at its primal core that immortal quote that you'll always have if a movie has you it has you if it doesn't you're just going to be like right where i was just like sucked into this so. in, in this case i can very specifically pinpoint why it didn't have yeah. me uh, I, I can concede to the things you're saying but at the same time this i was completely entrenched in this film and just was so fascinated by everything about it that i was just like fuck yeah i i think uh, i mean i, I would presume that part of it is just that you didn't know anything about it like i said i went in knowing a lot about it so i it didn't really wow me that much because i mean there weren't any surprises i knew about the curse i knew that you know she would get it and i knew how it was supposed to be passed on so really a lot of the surprises were god forgive syndrome (laughs) (laughs) although of course if i knew nothing about it i probably would have hated it more (laughs) yeah no there's that's that's a different kind of movie Uh, yeah, I I think I mentioned on my, I think it might be like my letterbox review of it where I was just like I wish it had either explained more or explained less 
and that would have made it easier for me to enjoy. But the way they did it, where they just go halfway, it, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Getting away from the story for a minute, just something, one thing that I, I really like about the movie, I, I I feel like, you know, we we joked about, you know, calling it a pretentious or more, you know, artier-minded movie, and uh, I, th- I think, uh, you know, whatever you think of the story, I think Robert, or David Robert Mitchell uh, is really, and you mentioned this, uh, I think he's really good with teen characters and treating them respectfully and you know and also having them deal with adult concepts but not in a way that condescends to them or the characters at any point and it's you know we're with them we're you know experiencing whatever they're going through and the movie i don't i don't feel is ever judging them for mistakes that they're making or anything uh leaving it open-ended enough i guess for me to you know kind of do the the old you know what would you do in their spot um, I, I hope I'd be as smart as you and try and find somebody to ask, like, why do you know this or how do you know this? <laughs> but um, one thing I, I really love about the movie is I think it's like really incredibly shot. Uh, yeah. I love the way they use wide screens and 360 pans. There's like three or four 360 pans throughout the movie. One, um, of course, there's the opening one. Yeah. There's the the one where she's in school where it like pans the yard and then you catch the glimpse of the person walking and it keeps going until you find jay in class well and the one where she comes in from the pool and then it cascades across the entire house that yeah really good and too. and i like shots like the opening with the girl uh, on the beach or jay in the park on the swing I, I like those shots that just they just hold it and you're just staring waiting for something to come out uh, well, it's somewhere. pretty cool, too, because the movie kind of trains you to look yes. in the background for something to come. So there are yes. many instances where it's not it, but there's something in the background, and you're like, oh, yeah, and that's, then it just I goes mean, away. That's, you know, that's right off the bat there with the girl running around constantly looking behind her. It's something that nobody else has seen. Yeah. And uh, and and then, the like, the compositions are – I mean, there's other really cool shots like the one you were talking about with the camera mounted on the – the wheelchair that Jay gets strapped to, but the compositions are, are so good. Like the chloroform one where it's, uh, you know, Jay's just sitting in the car looking at her, her arm and against the grass and just kind of like, you know, waxing poetic for a minute while he comes up behind her and then uh, springs the chloroform on her or the shot of the tall guy in the hallway that they hide, like they hide him so well behind yeah. the significantly shorter girl that he just like, comes out of nowhere and it's like oh my god how did they hide <laughs> yeah fucking robert from everyone loves raymond back there <laughs> yeah, it's, um, i i think it's really skillfully composed and, and shot very competently made very in, you oh, know, be, way beyond competent well and especially in a genre that's compare, like it, well if you want to compare it to just horror movies it's way ahead yeah. of, of most with its visual sense uh, I didn't pick any of them, but there were a lot of quotes that kept uh, referencing the Babadook because I guess the Babadook came out the year before this one came out, and they were like, "Last year it was the Babadook. This year it follows." I like this much better than the I thought Babadook. It was Tusk the year before. <laughs> Tusk is on a completely different uh, level, uh, but yeah, I even though it follow probably it follows probably makes less sense than the Babadook. I I mean I still with all my problems with it, I still like it better. I. It just, I don't know. I think what it has to say, uh, well, no, the Babadook had like something really interesting to say too, yeah. but it kind of, have you seen it? 
I haven't seen the Bob. Yeah, it it falls apart at the end even worse for me than it than it follows does. So, nah, man, I'm very thankful that not only we got to hang out, haven't seen Eddie in a while, but it, this is great. I really enjoyed it, and uh, it's pretty rare these days that I get to go into a movie completely just like a, a modern recent movie that I have no idea what I'm about to watch. So, um, yeah, it was good. Ninety-seven percent's pretty steep, but you know, for what it is, it's one of those things that I can't really argue too far against. That I will. Don't worry. I'll I'll do it for you. I would. Uh, yeah, to me, I don't remember how much I gave it at the time. Having watching it a second time, I can actually appreciate it a little better. But I wouldn't go past three stars out of five. I'd give it an A. Of course, you would. Yeah. Eddie gives it a plus. Well, I'd the plus the plus will come from. Uh, from Eddie, I'm sure it's like on further down on that uh, review. Uh, I did not issue a grade there, but I yep. I'm a huge fan. I would, you know, going by the Rotten Tomatoes metric, yes, I liked it. So I would happily add, you know, where I certified to be on there, I would happily add to the <laughs> yeah. the 97 percent and and hope to raise it up one. Now the only question is. In the remake, is Josh Gad playing Greg or is he playing uh, Jeff? He will be it. He will be every it, incarnation. Every of incarnation of it, just like that in is, drag. That's and terrifying. Nutty professor style. <laughs> that you know, that is my personal hell, hell <laughs> and fear. Uh, it's, it's called but, Gad follows. <laughs> you know, hopefully he just plays the character from the opening shot. Just dilapidated leg. Yes. All right. Well, that was it. Follows episode thirty-two. Yes, 32. 33, we're going to have Valley uh, mm-hmm. of the Dolls. And then 34, um, That Thing You Do. That Thing You Do. Which you're in a fantasy football league with Tom Everett Scott? I am. Uh, you know, I don't have anything super <laughs> exciting to, to say about that yet, except on, on the league's email thread, uh, every now and then he drops, you know, he, he started with one message about being poolside with Ben Affleck and Shirley MacLaine, and now it's like a running joke on there. So whenever he chimes in, it's there's usually a reference to that. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, plugs? I'll go uh, first. Uh, podcast, Four Finger Discount. Um, it's fourfingerdiscount.com.au, I believe. Or just check them out on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, it's uh, Mitch and Dando are their names, uh, two gentlemen from Australia that are, they started from episode one of The Simpsons and they're working their way comprehensively through the entire series. Four fingers, I get it. Yeah. Um, so they're about uh, at the end of season three right now. Very entertaining, very funny. Uh, they do so much back, back history homework on every episode. They'll watch, you know, the TV cut of it, the original cut, and then they'll do director's commentary, do research on it. Very fascinating for Simpsons fans and non-alike. Uh, definitely recommend that. So check out Four Finger Discount. Eddie, plug yourself. What are you writing um, these days? Nah, well, you know, this this is hardly a plug. It's just what I've been doing most recently on uh, late nights. <laughs> Racing with, to children. Yeah, late nights when I'm awoken and and need to watch something that will keep me awake but also require minimal attention to be paid for it. I've been working through uh, HBO's Ballers. Uh, <laughs> some will say it's the sports entourage, and you're not far off because you know some of the main creative people are carried over. Uh, the main difference is that instead of a cast of mostly people you don't like, you get The Rock and, <laughs> and, and, and Rob Corddry, which... 
you know, similar to Entourage, I don't laugh often, but, you know, it's junk food TV. Um, you know, the best thing I can say is season one had one really funny joke about the movie Her that made me laugh. And also had one or two surprisingly effective dramatic moments. And, um, you know, maybe by the time I come back for another episode, I'll have finished season two and I can report on that. And then my other plug is... Um, a movie not not enough people have seen. Uh, I really love it. One of my favorites from the last few years. It's called It Follows, and it's out now. <laughs> uh, I, I'm actually pretty surprised that you're this far on Ballers and haven't even tried one single episode of Vice Principles, considering I how much... I watched the first one. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, That's it, even worse. There's than an this. HBO free trial week, and I recorded <laughs> that first one. Uh yeah, because I mean you're like a Jody Hill enthusiast, so I would think. Yeah, Observer and Report is incredible. It is. Yeah, he's pounding down. Amazing. I think that's where you differ. Uh, he's just never gotten around to watching Eastbound, right? I I watched the first season and I I wasn't really feeling it. I wasn't hating it, but I just wasn't laughing, and I got. You know, somehow it, I guess it required more attention than Ballers or Entourage because, you know, it, it, it certainly made me laugh more. But at the end of the day, I definitely got to like, why, why am I watching this? Uh, dear listeners, please start the email campaign now to get Alex to agree to do the Entourage movie yeah, in a future yeah. episode because <laughs> I've it's been playing. It's on rotation HBO. And, dude, I cannot look away once I finally when you know once I have it on screen I'll be doing something else but I just I, I just can't change the channel and if I do I'll change it back <laughs> and shamefully you know continuing my shame I have seen all have no all 90 something episodes of the Entourage TV show so I hesitate to call myself an authority because I don't think there's <laughs> such a thing for Entourage but <laughs> I have seen it far more than any sane person should <laughs> All right, Julio, you got some plugs? Uh, no, no plugs. I, I did all my plugs last time. We were recording. Right, like I'll pre- take his plug time. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> Unless you want me to plug, it follows again. Uh, yeah, yeah two in one week. I know. Yeah, that's why I, I didn't have time to plug. I've been working since we recorded, so I have no time to plug anything. I started watching uh, In the Loop, which is this uh, British comedy about politics. It's from the same guy that eventually would, do, uh, would create Veep. Oh right! On. So it's that that kind of comedy, and it's really funny. But I'm only like I don't know thirty minutes into the movie because that's what my life is right now. That's where you're uh, at. Yeah, uh, but yeah, really good. Eddie, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you for enjoying the movie and being on my side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we, we're at odds on screen four, so it's good to team up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have you back for too long. Uh, AJ Styles won the world heavyweight title tonight. So really? Cemented his spot as one of the greatest of all time, so I'm really happy about that. Uh, between that and watching a great movie, I don't really know how it's a, a night could be better. Recording a great podcast after. It's all it's a trifecta. Uh, but uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time.
Thank you for listening to The Contrarians. On your way out, be sure to swing over to youtube.com backslash ovniofilms. That's O-V-N-I-O films. And check out The New Adventures of Baby Jesus, a web series created and written by The Contrarians' very own Julio Oliveira. Was it a Chappelle joke where he, he references the AIDS flaring up? He gets, he's talking about the Robitussin, or is it something? Or Chris Rock? Yeah, it was, yeah. that was an old Chris Rock bit. Are you, are we saying they need to get Tussin? <laughs> Put some Tussin on it. Uh, that should like just side sidebar. We should open a bar called the Friend Zone. That'll be. I'm sure a that collection exists somewhere. Of miserable people. No, but then just like, drinking just right No, it's a, really campy and it would be a bunch of super attractive people just hanging out at the bar waiting for the shy, nervous, ugly people to come buy them drinks <laughs> so with with no expectations. <laughs> Their dementia. Um